This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Let's talk about housing. Tenants are struggling to afford rent. There is a movement on the rise. Rent strikes. That's the crux of a featured article in McLean's magazine on AMI-audio. Don Dickinson is the content curator of that show. Hey, good morning, Don. Hi there, Dave. How are you? Don, I'm great. I like talking about housing. The first article is called Revenge of the Renters by Jason McBride. It touches on the story of a renter in a Toronto neighborhood. When did things start to change for this tenant and how did the strike ensue? Uh, Well, you know, we think of this housing crisis as something that's come on recently, but basically it's been building for a long time. Uh, The article starts by, uh, you know, profiling this woman who is leading the strike, uh, Charlene Henry. And she said that way back in 2013, the landlord uh, then, of course, was called Real Star, and they had hiked up the rents by 5.5%. She at the time was quite confused because she said that, they were in a rent-controlled building. Um, she mentions the building, 33 King. And um, she was like c- completely confused because she thought, well, how can they do this? Well, there is a loophole in Ontario. Landlords can apply for what's called an above-guideline increase, AGI. And to make uh, major repairs, they're allowed to increase rents substantially more. So they said that they fixed the roof and they repaired the elevators and that this this um, repair and these uh, things that they had done justified this particular rent increase. So, of course, she went along with this thinking, OK, well, you know, it's a one off. And, you know, you have to be uh, reasonable and whatnot. But then all of a sudden the next year they were hit again mm. with another substantial rent increase. So she she says way back then. And then it's just gotten worse over time. And then, of course, recently new owners have taken over a company by the name of uh, Dream Unlimited which is a real estate giant. They've got $23 billion worth of assets. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're decided that, no, this has gone on long enough and they're striking. So beyond just the cost, certainly the cost is a major component of this. What are some of the other factors? Well, you know, there's a lot of other factors. Uh, you know, tenants are talking about deteriorating conditions in these buildings and uh, regular maintenance that seems to go undone. Some felt that the AGIs were simply a way for Realstar back in the day to boost the value of its assets by squeezing extra money out of the tenants. And of course, you got to remember a lot of these buildings in uh, in uh, these major cities are getting very old, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they have to be maintained and the cost of that maintenance is substantial. So I think there's a certain obviousness to this next question, mm-hmm, Don, but mm-hmm. what risks are tenants taking from withholding their rent? 
Okay, well, <laughs> very simply, they can, in fact, uh, be evicted for non-payment of rent. Uh, this was a very, uh, this was very interesting. A poll conducted this March found that more than 60% of Canadians who don't own homes have completely abandoned the idea of ever buying one. Yeah. So what that leads to is it means that competition for Canada's limited rental housing market is now absolutely exploding right so these tenants are thinking okay well that's fine and dandy to require us to go along with this because of course this particular woman is, is wants the whole building to strike right but a lot of the tenants are quite fearful because they think well if they're evicted where are they going to go yeah. i mean it's, it's it's not like this is just uh you know a building or two this is basically everybody everybody yeah, the, the housing crisis is the housing crisis because you don't have a lot of options as a renter or a buyer. There's only so many places for you to go if you lose your current place of dwelling. And for 30, 40 years, Don, there has been very little investment in building rental properties. Where you typically would have had apartments built, it's been condo buildings, private ownership. And certainly there's a space for condos in the market, but when... I'm going to approximate a number here, but when 80 to 90% of high-density buildings that are going up are condos rather than strictly rental buildings, it does create that cascading issue of a, of a rental property crunch. Exactly, Dave. You've hit it on the head. You know, there's it's just a function of availability. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of demand and very, very limited supply. Yeah. Don, let's uh, stop bumming me out by talking about the housing crisis. Let's uh, talk about... <laughs> Maybe some changing culture at Hockey Canada. Unfortunately, it starts with some pretty negative news, but hopefully by the end, you and I can get to a little bit of optimism. The next article is a featured interview with Katherine Henderson. She very recently became the new president and CEO of Hockey Canada. This followed an alleged sexual assault case involving members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Men's Hockey Team. So, Don, that sexual assault scandal was very well covered in the media, but how did the fallout from the scandal lead to the leadership change at Hockey Canada? Well, I mean, it was pretty severe. I don't follow hockey like you follow hockey, Dave, but we all know because it was on the news all the time that the fallout was swift. It was one of those instances where, um, you know, faithful sponsors like Canadian Tire and Tim Hortons, uh, they bailed on, mm -hmm. <laughs> on Hockey Canada. The entire board of uh, directors stepped down and Sports Canada temporarily froze federal funding. Even the prime minister weighed in uh, uh, Canadians, he said, were right to be disgusted, and it was. It became so evident that those changes had to be made, and they had to be made pretty darn quick. Yeah, yeah. It was the idea of a cover-up, right? It wasn't necessarily exactly. the crime itself. It was the idea that there'd been a cover-up in place for about four years, and then there was all kinds of journalism and reporting going on about the amount of uh, money that's taken as annual dues from parents of kids who play hockey were being used simply as legal fees and settlement fees. So the advertisers came for it, members came for it, and like it was time for a change. So yeah. that's where Katherine Henderson comes in. Why does Katherine feel she's the right choice to be the new leader? Well, you know, she's a very unique individual. She's a devoted hockey mom and a high-level sports executive. Uh, previously at the Pan and Parapan American 
Games. And her most recent gig as CEO of Curling Canada, Henderson fought for and won, this is the big point, and won pay equity for the sport's uh, female players. So she's uh, very much equipped to correct uh, hockey's um what should we call it? Bro culture, I guess we could call it. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. I think it's fair to call yeah. it that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, she, um, you know, she brought in a lot of policies and a lot of measures that really, um, that really bene- benefit the sport. So to get into some of the specifics there. What does Catherine want to change about the culture at Hockey Canada? Well, her direct quote was elitism. Uh, gender-based violence, any sort of homophobia, misogyny, um, uh, racism, or sexism. I mean, that's a big plate of things that have to uh, be addressed. But uh, she wants to address each of these. She thinks that a lot of the the younger players are, are, you know, how should I put this? They're kind of swayed sometimes uh, by uh, some of the older uh, players into uh, things that they not, might necessarily not agree with, but they go along with it because of the, as we said before, this bro culture, right? And she's trying to rectify that. Yeah, it, but this this goes structurally beyond maybe a, a 10-year-old influencing an 8-year-old or a 13-year-old influencing a 10-year-old. This is about the people in the coaching ranks and the executives yes. and the managers as well, right? The culture has to start from the top And that's where I think Catherine Henderson is saying, again, I'm going to go back to this notion, Don. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. When something went wrong at a Canada, at a Hockey Canada event, it appears there was an alleged cover-up around a gang sexual assault, right? And it looked like Hockey Canada specifically was trying to cover that up to avoid embarrassment. And that's the problem, right? That's the adults in the room doing that, not the kids acting like idiots. So so I, th- I think that when you talk about sort of, oh, you know, it's, it's the 14-year-olds influencing the 10-year-olds. No, it's the 30-year-olds and the 40-year-olds and the 50-year-olds influencing the 7-year-olds. Yeah. And she also says in the article, she's very clear that, you know, her son Michael played uh, rap hockey for a long time. And she said the experience was anything uh, 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 opposite of toxic. She said it was very, very good, uh, you know, uh, positive experience. And she wants that kind of experience for basically anybody who wants to play hockey in this yeah, country. Absolutely. Uh, going back to this underlying notion of hockey is for everyone, even though uh, the National Hockey League has uh, confused that a couple times in the last year itself. Dawn, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. You're welcome. Bye-bye. That's content curator Dawn Dickinson. McLean's Magazine airs weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up next, the buzz around Netflix's All the Light We Cannot See continues. And Drake and Delanerwell will preview an exclusive interview with actors Aria Maya Liberti and Lewis Hoffman. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.